Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I am going to be getting married um, in about two weeks. To who? <laughs> That's the thing. I don't know. I don't know her name. I don't know who she is. Are you crazy? Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Married at First Sight Edition, you guys, if you heard my Monday episode, even up until then, I was unsure if I was going to be recapping Married at First Sight. I'm still tentative, but I have to say this was a good episode. I mean, you guys, do we have to just reframe our thinking around Married at First Sight or do we need to continue to demand more? Because it is very obvious to me, and I'm sure to all of you, that, again, not a single one of these men need to be in a long-term relationship. But this time, seems like a good chunk of these women don't need to be in them either. So, um, whew, we're, this is this is not going to go well. This is not going to go well. So let's just talk about these people that are um, all going to end up divorced in about, well, probably about now, probably right about now. Um, our first couple is Lindsay, the wild card and Mark, AKA Mac. He's Mr. Wicked committed. Um, I don't know how to explain this further, but Mark looks a lot like a character from um, uh, guess who? And, I just really need to know, like, are we committed to the haircut? Are we committed to the eyebrows? Are we committed to the lips, the cheeks, the nose, the forehead? I, you know, hmm. 
Okay. Um, my first thought about Lindsay is that she looks like she could fight. And as soon as I finished thinking that thought, I saw her kick a, a bag. They do like a, some sort of kickboxing move. And I was like, you know what? Your intuition, once again, Kara, is just superb and unmatched. Um, Pastor Cal starts to say some bullshit about why they're a good match potentially, but I saw a clip where they both had ginger cats, and I know that given the past two seasons and uh, their matchmaking skills, I feel like the cats are probably 80% of the reason why this couple got matched together. Mark claims to be 37, and we find out that he's almost like a classic American Idol reject. Like, he came to the first Boston edition audition, and I guess he got pretty far through the process, but they weren't able to find a match for him. And he also claims that people call him Mac the Shack. And I just chills chills he also has some pretty clear-cut views about what a relationship is which is like you know and he says he really knows what he wants and when he wants it but he's still single can you imagine so what do you say about that he says that there are two reasons that he's still single that he can think of one that he has cats and everybody's he's encountered has been allergic to them but are they allergic to the cats or are they allergic to you mark are they allergic to what I'm sure is uh, the very thick fog of cologne that follows you and probably even enters the room before you even get it? Like, you know he smells like Axe body spray and cool water. You can tell. He just, it emanates. It's almost like smell-o-vision. So aside from the cats, he, the second idea is that he says that he has such a clear idea of what he wants in a relationship that it might scare people off. Has he considered the eyebrows? Just asking. I'm just going to put that out there. Mark has actually kind of like a fairly tragic story regarding his family. His father passed away. Um, his mother, he doesn't really get descriptive about it, but there's something going on with her to the point where she has to live in a home because she cannot care for herself. He has a 95-year-old grandmother who, you know, is 95. So he just doesn't really have a whole lot of family and he misses the, you know, youth that he had. And he said, you know, in hindsight, I had really good holidays and now my Christmases are basically spent alone. And I just don't want to continue my life like that. And then he says that he wants to recreate the holidays with his new family and they have had hot chocolate on a cold night and they're all wearing matching pajamas. And, you know, guys, we've heard all of this romantic comedy vision for a future and what this guy feels like his future should be like. And didn't that end up great, Zach and Johnny, last season? I mean, what are we doing here, you guys? I know I'm going to be asking that question a lot. But it's like, y'all are playing in our face at this point. I, I see the issues with both of them immediately. So how did they make it through the audition process? It doesn't make 
any sense. At least with Chris, we had like a good 45 seconds before the red flags uh, started showing. And with Johnny, they gave us like maybe two to three episodes. But now it's just like everybody and maybe maybe my senses are sharpened and my uh, you know, knives are are uh, out a little bit more because I've been burned. We've been burned for seasons now with people who clearly don't need to, who don't belong together. So maybe I'm just better apt at seeing the signs. But if we're better apt at seeing the signs, then the experts and production also should. So at this point, it's like, I just can't believe the lie that you guys keep telling us about how oh, we're really doing our due diligence about this. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, you guys, I'm coming out knives, knives out because I just don't like people playing in my face. And I don't like people playing in your face either. You know, we all deserve better than this. It's also worth mentioning that Mark has these very like intense Ramona singer like eyes. That's, that's going to come up later. I know, I know it is. But then we shift to Lindsay. Lindsay claims to be a bit of a wild card and that people always say that they don't, they didn't think that they would like her at first, but then they do kind of enjoy the ride that she puts them on. And she also says that she was engaged to be married as of last year to a longtime boyfriend. And five days before the wedding, he completely called it off. And so now I guess she thinks she's ready to be married at first. I mean, the first sentence, we see the problem. You know, you know, (sighs) so Lindsay talks about how her parents have gotten a divorce a few years ago and she has a very fraught relationship with her mom. She says she hasn't really spoken to her really in three years, but the few times that she has, her mom's just basically abusive towards her. So I guess maybe mommy issues are also an issue that Mark and Lindsay uh, can connect on seems like a bad thing to want to connect on, but okay, we'll move on. Um, all the footage that we see of Lindsay that doesn't include her, like talking to her father and brother about her joining the show is of her chugging red wine. Like it's giving Jessica from love is blind vibes. And again, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, like the messy, petty side of me wants to be like, oh my gosh, I'm here for this. Like, this is entertaining. But I also feel like there's a part of me and I'm not like really romantic. I'm not romantic at all. I'm not, I'm very cynical. I'm a New Yorker. You know, I just don't like the the overly sentimental, mushy stuff. But there is a part of me that like thinks that there's a moral... Um, deficiency that would come from pairing people who clearly don't belong together. Now, I mean, is being married to somebody for three years on a television show really that big of a deal at the end of the day? Like, in the grand scheme of your life? It's like, yeah, it's probably an intense situation, but like, is it going to ruin your life that you were married to somebody for three months? Hopefully not. Probably not, right? Like, I don't know if anybody's life has been ruined by getting a divorce from married at first sight, you know? But still, it just seems like a cruel thing to have to go through. 
And I just wish that we could have more intention because I think that there are probably a lot of people who actually are probably a good fit for the show. And I just have a very strong feeling that production is aiming for mess. And it just still makes me uncomfortable that we're doing marriage and mess. You know what I mean? Anyway, let's move on to our second couple, which is Katina, the party chick. Party chick no more, excuse me. And Elajuan, the ex-playboy. Now, are those two, just by the nicknames that they were given by production, would tell you that these people don't belong together. I don't want to be hooked up with a guy who would be referred to by anyone as a playboy, ex or otherwise. Playboy is just a fancy term for fuckboy. Like, let's really just be real here. Um, Dr. Pepper alleges in the intro, by the way, the experts have new, like, uh, talking head interview sets. And it's not like the humble kind of generic office, uh, you know, psychiatrist office uh setting that we are we've been used to for the past few years it's now like it's almost giving like love and (laughs) hip-hop like it's kind of like a intense colors like kind of a clubby background like lounge vibes and that was a choice but anyway dr pepper is alleging in her first interview um that there are two people who were out there in the social party scene and they're both ready to settle down and I just feel like those are famous last words. You know what I mean? Elijah Wan claims that he's single because he's been working on himself for the past two years. Uh, you know who said that? Chris. You know who also said that? Zach. Okay. Um, and that some of his relationships didn't work out in the past because he was a cheater and a liar. Fancy that. And apparently he also has multiple personalities because he tells us that... When he was in college, now this guy is 29 years old, and he's now talking to us still about him running game in college as though that's not something that happened several years ago. So again, if I'm picking up on the clues, my guy, 29, we're pushing it on like talking about our glory days in college and like pulling chicks. You know what I mean? We're done. It's like, you don't want to hear a guy at your kegger talking about how he was a prom king. You're almost 30. I don't care what you did in college. You know? Ugh, gross. Um, so anyway, he said that he used to tell his professors that his name was Elajuan, but he had this other personality for the ladies named Isaac, which is actually his middle name. And he says that, I guess... he makes jokes throughout the episode that he went by different names so as to cause confusion and so that people wouldn't uh i guess girls wouldn't know that they were all dating the same guy because maybe some of them knew elijah and maybe some of them knew isaac i would be remiss if i didn't mention this um elijah is biracial okay but he looks like a light-skinned black man. And it's important to note that black people, you know why, white people, you can't laugh at that. But I just think, like I said, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that, is that he completely acts like a light-skinned black man in every sense of the word. And y'all know what I mean, if you know what I mean. You know, the girls who get it, get it, and the girls who don't, don't. 
Okay, anyway, so Isaac according to Elijah Wan, was a guy who was just living his life, didn't care about other people's hearts, just wanted to have fun. And he says that he's not this person anymore. He also says that he never really cared about anybody except for himself and his mother. That's a classic Drake line. Harkens back to what I just said. Um, And they clearly, (laughs) along with like scraping the bottom of the barrel with the matches, they're also scraping the bottom of the barrel with their b-roll footage because we all know what happens the the formula of these intro shows are always the same right we get the individual talking about their per their single life their dating life their relationship history and then we see these like slow motion b-roll footage that's supposed to show their personality so in elijah one's case he is very fit he um seems to be allergic to wearing shirts that seems to be an issue for him he's got you know a bunch of tattoos like sleeves and one that goes up on one of his titties and you know like one that goes down his rib cage like he's giving hot boy right and so his b-roll footage like clearly he doesn't really have much of a personality (laughs) or a whole lot of things going on because his b-roll footage is just like him sweaty with his shirt off and like scraping a like scraping old paint off of a porch who's to say if it's his porch but then there's some more b-roll footage of him (laughs) like y'all know those like sip and paint things where everybody paints the same thing on a canvas he apparently has several of those i don't know if isaac has been on all of these dates or maybe it's if Elijah Wan is tapping in, who's to say? But he's like pretending to <laughs> put these pictures on the wall. <laughs> and at one point, he's like trying to attach a painting to an exposed pipe that's on the wall. Like, could you? Could we? You didn't even have to show that part, you know? <laughs> like, hey, just pretend to put this thing up uh, by a pipe, something that you could never uh, logistically do. I don't know why that bothered me so much, but it really, like, what is he doing? Like, what are they directing him? Just like, yeah, just put it up by the pipe. Who cares? Next. Anyway, he goes on to say that Isaac is gone forever, but then he says he has visions of a marriage. So he's like, at this point, talking to his family about him being on the show. There were no parents there. I know that he said that... I'm pretty sure he said his father passed away. And I'm not sure about the mom. But um, the family and friends that he had, there were mostly, like, friends. There was a brother and a sister-in-law and then his coach and some, like, friends. It, It was an interesting mix. So he's talking to them about what his vision for a perfect marriage is or what he thinks a perfect marriage is. And then he's talking about, again, you see what I mean? These very traditional, um, I saw these on Nick at night views of a marriage that he wants to come home to a hot meal every day. And that is, if his future wife can't cook, then that's like a deal breaker. And that that woman is not a wife. That's not a wife to him. If she doesn't know how to cook, like he's dead ass. Like, dead ass. His sister-in-law is looking at him crazy. Thank you, 
somebody said something. And because he's talking all this game about how like, I never told you guys this, but for the past year, I just have been looking at your relationships and I really envy it. And you guys just seem so happy and you look so happy and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I just want to be like you, brother and sister-in-law. So I would think when a sister-in-law is telling you, you know, the one that you, the relationship you look at and want to emulate, she's telling you, um, what the fuck? I mean, she didn't say that, but she did say, like, um, your future wife doesn't have to do anything. This is a partnership. And her inability to cook should not be a deal breaker for you. Like, why don't you take heed some of that advice, Elijah Wan? Ugh. He, his response is like, no, no, no. Like, it's really going to be a deal breaker. Like, I'm not hearing you. I'm not seeing you. Nothing. Nothing. There are some things I can allow. And there are some things that I can't allow. What? This man just said he took two years to better himself. I, I want us all to remember that. Moving on to Katina. Victim number one, you guys, Katina, stunning, beautiful. Katina and Jasmina, who we'll talk about later, are definitely like one of two of the most beautiful women who have ever been on the show. Two of the most beautiful women who have ever been on reality television. They're stunning, stunning. And that's why it pisses me off even more that these two gorgeous black queens are about to get played by a dude who expects a hot meal every night and the other one that we'll get into later. So especially like, I hate to see a hot woman get her heart broken. You know, (laughs) she doesn't, she deserves better than that. But what makes it even worse is her history. And she says she has been cheated on multiple times. So why did you pair her with the guy who admitted to cheating on people over and over again and creating a whole um, other persona in which to cheat more efficiently. That not only has she been cheated on multiple times before, she was actually in a situation where the dude had a a whole girlfriend, a whole other girlfriend. (laughs) She's down bad. And she is looking for a way out through this show. I hope you can cook girl because if, that might be the only thing that saves you from being married to a Johnny misogynist. Oh my God. She even says that she has like full on justifiable daddy issues because her dad was in prison from the time when she was a child to her, some point of her being an adult and she's never really had a strong male positive influence in her life. So again, why are you matching her with a man who feels like a woman's worth is her ability to cook and that that is what separates her between a woman and a wife. She even straight up says that she never saw her father bring her mom flowers or even pick up dinner, pick up dinner, pick up dinner. She never saw that. And that's something that she would like to see. Okay, her uh, father pick up dinner, a husband pick up dinner. Now she's being married to a man who said that if his wife did not cook dinner every night and not some bullshit in a can like a real meal, 
that that's not his wife. Okay. Um, <clears throat> wow. Wow. Let's just move on to the third couple. Cause I, I mean, what else can I say? <laughs> Let's move on to the third couple, which are Noi, um, AKA quietly noisy and Steve, Mr. Free Spirit. Steve is somehow the last of his siblings to be married. Now, when we see him sit down and tell his family that he's about to get married, we see all of his family. Steve is like a pretty good looking dude, fit, thin, what have you. Um, he's, he's a nice looking guy, right? He, he's telling me that he's the last of his siblings to get married. And I'm looking at one of his siblings who's wearing a t-shirt that says sexy spelled S-E-K-S-I in the style of the Pepsi logo. And he has uh, yellow blonde hair with deep dark roots. And it seems like it has been curled with those like old school hot rollers that you have to like plug into the wall and it makes it, it's got like the, the metal parts and it heats up the, the curlers. Do people still use that? Maybe they do, but that's what it looks like he styled his hair with. And so he looks like you're telling me that you're like a whole decently solidly good looking dude and that your brother who looks like, <laughs> like silent Bob, um, meets like Carol Burnett. And I'm just very confused, but then it became clear to me that I think Steve might be a loser. You guys more of a loser and his oh lord um so he says that he he like seems like a nice guy but then he says that um he was working in something something computer type 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 and that he got laid off from his job in November of 2020 he decided he wasn't going to spend another winter in Boston if he didn't have to so he traveled down the east coast to Florida and was basically uh, living out of his car and going to swamps. I I don't know. Hanging out in Tallahassee? Not sure. Um, he acts like this is like um, some sort of life-changing thing. And maybe it's just because I've lived up and down the East Coast. Uh, to me, and I've driven up and down several times, to me it just seems like flop behavior, but okay. <laughs> And I say that as somebody who is a resident of the East Coast, I don't think that's impressive, sir. But, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, so I'm like thinking, don't you have to have a job to be on the show? Don't you have to show a W-2 form? I thought they were checking lists, lists, lists and everything. But I guess not because Steve still doesn't have a job. And when he tells his family that he's about to get married, their first questioner, don't you think that they want to be married to somebody with a job? <laughs> Good question, sister. Good question. His brother says, what are you going to tell her when she asks what you do for a living? And he says, well, I'm going to tell her that I was a sales engineer, and but I did some traveling and some self-growth work, and I'm also doing some freelance work, and I'm about to make a plan to get back into my career. I'm about to make a plan to get back into there. <laughs> I'm thinking about thinking about it. 
So to me, that sounds like I don't have a job and I don't want one, (laughs) which is not somebody I personally would want to marry. Then we meet Noi, who says that she can come off like initially like very uh, shy and quiet, but she does have a side to her where she really likes to um, wear shake and go wigs and go dancing. So she's like really crazy, you guys, you know, really crazy. Her story was both fascinating and also I don't, not boring. Definitely wasn't boring. It was just, there just wasn't, I didn't get a whole lot of her, her personality. We'll just say that. Um, she was born in a Laotian refugee camp. Uh, her parents were able to get out when she was two. They moved to America and, you know, she, her parents have a good relationship if i'm not mistaken they're both married still both her parents and steve's parents and she says her parents are like goals really and that she is looking for that same kind of lifelong commitment type thing and yeah i don't know i mean this seems like the couple that might have the most potential out of our choices and you know 50% of them doesn't have a job so that's where we're at that's where we're at Mother's Day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones Blue Nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. All right, moving on to couple number four. We have Jasmina, Miss No Nonsense, and Michael, Training for Love. Again, much like Katina, Jasmina is gorgeous. And she says that it's basically everybody else's fault that she's single and not hers. And that she has a bad habit of being with people who are emotionally unavailable. Something that I don't understand, I've never experienced, can't relate, um, don't get it. And so for reasons that I don't feel like getting into and don't really want to explain, I'm rooting for Katina, and I think she is the baddest bitch of the whole season. Jasmina talks about two significant relationships that she's had in the past. First, when she find out um, she was dating a guy, and I guess they were on different pages about how serious things were going to go. She was ready to get real serious and he was not and so he asked her if he could just like go out there and do his thing and then come back (laughs) 
And she said, no, duh. The second relationship was her most recent one. And that one was a, was a guy who had a baby behind her back. So this show is developing quite the reputation of having women sign up for it who have had been with men who had babies behind their back. And I just wonder why it's almost like, um, like on 90 Day Fiance, half of the ladies are like nurses' aides. Like, why, <laughs> why are, um, why, why? Oh, God. Um, so then we meet Michael, who is not a mama's boy, but he's actually like a sister's boy, I guess, because he has four sisters. By the way, Jasmina and Michael are both, uh, they come from, I think. I'm pretty sure they both come from Jamaican backgrounds. So again, much like uh, Mark, Mac and Lindsay and the Ginger Cats, I think this is a lot of the reason why they were matched. They both come from big families. Jasmina, her um, parents... Okay, so she's got... I think she said eight or nine siblings, but there's only one full sibling. The rest of them are half-siblings. She hasn't even met all of her siblings. Her father okay so when she was young her mom left left the family went out and did her own thing so she was taken care of by her father her father ended up getting married and divorcing a woman and then after the divorce he moved back to jamaica so jasmina and her sister asked her stepmom if she could like take over as a parent which she did thank god and so she's really close to her stepmom that's like her main parent anyway back to michael he's telling his like council of sisters about uh the fact that he's about to get married and he says that he's actually like really nervous to tell them because he really respects their approval and their opinions and says that if they don't give him the go-ahead then he probably isn't going to go through with the marriage and so when he tells them it's like totally the opposite at first they're like um, he was like, well, what would you say if I decided to go back on my decision to do the show? They're like, why would you do that? This is like a great opportunity. Like you definitely should not do that and move forward. And so when he tells them, oh, okay, well, yeah, it's too late for me to go back because I'm actually going to get married in two weeks. They're excited. They're screaming, they're clapping. And, um, hmm. It, it's interesting he at first comes off as like a kind of nice and humble, quiet sort of guy until he admits that his, both of his parents passed away and that caused him to create this sort of wall and made him an emotional robot who, I mean, let's just cut to the chase here. It seems like he was pretty, emotionally and even verbally abusive towards his exes like intentionally knowing like he would in his words amplify negative things about his partners in order to make himself feel better but he's like i absolutely need to work on those things so you're telling me you haven't it's just something that you need to do you're about to get married and you're fully admitting to being intentionally verbally abusive for the sake of making yourself feel better. <laughs> I mean, I always say admitting is the first step, but I feel like you should be on step nine 
with this particular issue before you decide to get married. Well, after he tells the sisters the news, he calls his brother to tell him that he's about to get married. And he says, hey, like, brother, is there anything you think that I should be working on before I get married? And his brother says, I think you really need to work on compromise because I haven't seen a whole lot of that from you in the past. And then Michael starts to get emotional and he tells the sisters that that like not being able to compromise is one of the things that he's worried about the most. So again, you know, (laughs) you're telling me that you have a complete deficiency in like being kind to people. So why did Pastor Cal immediately after that say in an interview that they are matching Jasmina and Michael up because they're both two compassionate people? No, they're not. She is. She is. Michael just fully admitted to being intentionally and purposely mean to people to make himself feel better. Do I not know what the definition of compassion is? Has it changed? Oh my gosh. Then Pastor Cal has the nerve to refer to Michael as an overthinker. The only thing that he's admitted to thinking about is how to make people feel bad. Like, what? I'm getting hives. I'm starting to itch. Uh, Let's move on to our final couple, which are Alyssa looking for her forever home like she's a goddamn golden retriever. And Chris, Mr. Monogamy. Based on looks alone... Um, Chris and Alyssa look a lot like Christina and Henry from Married at First Sight New Orleans, which, you know, sent a chill up my spine. And, you know, what? the thing that I always wonder is, what is it the participants tell their family and friends when they're about to film this, like, I'm going to be on the show thing? So, like, obviously you can't tell them I've got picked, I've gotten picked for the show. I've been picked for the show. <laughs> Find your grammar girl. Um, you can't tell them before that you've been picked for the show. You have to tell them like, oh, I'm going to film something. I just assumed that they said like, oh, I'm going to film. Like we're in the audition process and they just want to film like a friends and fa- family segment. Right. So Michael actually tells us when he comes on is that <laughs> he told his mother that he's actually filming a show about real estate. And so when she's, when they sit down and he's like, no, actually, um, this is not a show about real estate. She's like, uh, uh, what am I getting punked right now? Like what's happening? Is this can am I in camera camera? Like, he's like, no, I'm actually, um, going to get married in a couple of weeks. And her face is like, oh, okay. <laughs> so then we hear more about Chris. Have I been calling him Michael this whole time? I may <laughs> Sorry. Then we hear more about Chris and he likes to play disc golf. And apparently he's good enough to play at the local pro level, which I don't think is an actual term, but I'll move on. Chris claims to be a serial monogamous, but then later says that he is somebody who like, if he's at a bar and he sees a girl he's attracted to, he'll ask her out on a date, not knowing a thing about her. And then next thing he knows, six months will have gone by of them being in a relationship with somebody he had no business being in a relationship with. And he's now wasted not only five months of his life, but five months of that woman so seems like he um less of a monogamist because to me a monogamist is somebody who like 
does the opposite of that. I don't, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's normal to meet people at bars and not know anything about them and then start dating them. That's not that weird, right? But something, something in the milk ain't clean with Chris. And I know we'll find that out. He mostly seems to be interested in the aesthetic aspects of a relationship and how he wants to be able to have somebody at the top of his frequently text, frequently contacted list on his phone to tell them good things. And he's really gotten into real estate and being good at that. And like, you know, I want to be able to text somebody good things and I don't have anybody to text. And uh, He also makes some comment about how he wants to be the couple that people look at and want to have that for themselves. Then we meet Alyssa. And it explains why they referred to her as Miss Looking for Her Forever Home, because apparently she fosters dogs, which I feel like is still a rude thing. You know, I I wouldn't want to be referred to as a dog. And I work with animals, too. (laughs) You wouldn't. If they suggested me somebody who works as a pet sitter to be called like mrs like i I don't know take me on a walk like i don't i just i don't know but anyway she can take it girl Alyssa can take it here's the thing though Alyssa's not the girl for me i can already tell i have this like pet peeve that i'll share with you guys i am a firm believer in a firm handshake and i personally judge women if i'm shaking a woman's hand which i have not done in years but (laughs) in the olden days when we when we used to shake hands if a woman if a woman would give me just like their hand like that wet dead fish hand and i have to do all the work of shaking like i hate that i don't understand why women have gotten into this idea that like they're supposed to be dainty when giving a handshake i don't know why this is such a pet peeve for me but just that like there's nothing about like a just like that dead fish hand in my hand that it's it sets me off and i can just tell that Alyssa is that girl she just gives you her limp wrist hand and expects you to do all the work i don't like (laughs) this is something that's psychotic about me and i stand by it anyway she says that she's kind of having a rough go of things and she's the only single person in her friend group and she talks about having been into like a two and a half year relationship and they had been talking about engagement and marriage and stuff but then one day she came home and he said the words to her don't make dinner we're breaking up she said it completely caught her off guard she had no idea and it was that's just basically She's been in shell shock the whole time, ever since. Um, I don't really find either of them to have much of a personality, so I was shocked when Pastor Cal said that they were matched because they have a lot of similarities, and I just felt like, where were they? Where were they? I don't even think Homeboy said anything about liking dogs. So there we go. Now that we've met all our contestants, the brides and grooms meet up for the first time. The women start talking about what their preferences were, like what they wrote down. And Lindsay says that she basically gave the experts free range. She didn't care about race, height, whatever. All her, all she said is no bellies and no baby teeth. <laughs> Elijah on, to the surprise of absolutely nobody, says that attraction is a huge thing for him. And then the women start talking about how their moms reacted to them getting married. And of course, Lindsay starts to get emotional and says, 
she's just really going through it with her mom right now. And she really wanted her mom to come to the wedding, but her mom's like being a dick about it and basically waving the potential of whether or not she's going to the wedding, like this carrot in front of Lindsay's face and manipulating her on what's supposed to be like a happy day and a coming together of families. So, um, back to the men, Alajuan tells the guys that he usually has no problem getting women and that his friends call him the Facebook crook because he gets chicks off of Facebook. People do that. (laughs) I thought most of us were like on some fuck Facebook stuff. Like I have it, but I barely use it. And it's really, it's like a function. I really just have it for like, Honestly, I don't know why I have it. I could get rid of it tomorrow and I would not think anything of it. But um, the fact that he, this man is like actively seeking out women and that he has a nickname because of it. Like it's worse than Mock the Shock. It's worse than the Facebook crook. Ew. That's like worse than hitting on people on LinkedIn. Michael then says that he's the type of guy who will find the smallest uh, flaw in a woman and flee. And Mark and the rest of the guys' reactions are, well, how is this going to work then? (laughs) Great question, Mac. I have no idea. Um, Michael says, well, I just feel like the experiment is going to force me to have to stay, which I feel like is something that Zach said and uh, Ryan and, you know, again, we all know how great that went. So, ugh, God. Um, I hate to disappoint anybody who might enjoy these scenes, For me, the, like, going to try on our dresses and tux moments are, they don't do anything for me, honestly. I don't find them interesting. I find that we don't, it's just filler. Did we need, does this episode need to be three hours? No, no. I mean, it did seem like they are truncating things down a little bit, truncating those filler scenes, but to me they're still filler and they're not really worth talking about and i've already talked more about why i don't talk about them than i would if i had just actually spoken about anything so let me just move on um next are the bachelor and bachelorette parties mark mac is having the time of his life he's bonding with the guys and he's saying that this is like district five and that he's the captain which i'm assuming is some sort of like firefighter show reference and honestly Like, no offense to anybody from Boston, but the idea of, I've never been there. But to me, in that moment when 37-year-old Mark screams to men that he's never met, that this moment of drinking and hanging out with them is like a firefighter-based television show, and that he's the captain, honestly, that seemed like an extremely Boston boy thing to say. Mark is also wearing a sash that says groom to be and the O's in groom are handcuffs. And he's screaming to his friends about how this is about to be the greatest love story of all time. I can't do a Boston accent. You guys, they come, it comes and goes. Okay. Of course, Elijah is having the time of his life with the strippers. These strippers are um, maybe more uh, explicit than I've seen the other dancers to be on this show. That lady was really, Ride the line, if you, if you will, of uh, showing puss, showing hole. <laughs> I 
and I was nervous. There was a lot of blurring being used, and I don't recall that being used in uh, bachelor parties of yore. But anyway, um, Elijah One's having a great time with the stripper. He even takes his own shirts off and does like a magic mic, um, extra, extra small, and does a lap dance for the stripper. And meanwhile, his wife-to-be is over at her bachelorette party talking about how she's not sexually adventurous at all. She, like, don't put a handcuff on me. Don't tie me up. It's not my thing. I have no interest in even trying. Not going to happen. Vanilla all the way. Um, Olajuwon invited his nephew. Now, his nephew seems to be, like, not much younger than him. Maybe in the same category, age-wise. But, um, still, the profundity of that was not lost on me. When drunken Olajuwon is looking at his nephew and asks him, like, what he should be looking for in his wife. His nephew asks him what he's looking for in a wife. And Olajuwon starts to talk about how he hopes that his wife is adventurous and will be the type of woman that will go to a strip club with him and will take him up on, like, if I dare her to uh, smack an ass, then she will. Um, Time out. I don't know. Like, I thought we were not supposed to be touching the strippers. Like, Elijahwan, at one point, had his head on this woman's, the stripper's ass, as she was twerking. I didn't think we, I thought there was, like, a no-touching policy. And he was touching a lot. He was putting his uh, calf over her shoulder. He was uh, chanting Tatum down. Ugh. And that's not a compliment. You guys, I don't, famously, don't like Channing Tatum. I don't like him. I don't find him charming. And that's my truth. I feel like Shadim Tatum is squirrely and I think he's up to something and I think we'll all see the truth on that in a few years and you know watch this space or or mark this if we're 2025 when something goes on with Channing you'll know I said it I said it back to Elijah his damn nephew has to explain to him like he's a child that you're about to have a wife now now I'm not saying this like I'm from Atlanta I am somebody who appreciates the stripping arts like in Atlanta, Miami, a lot of these like larger cities. The strip club is entertainment. You're getting good food. You're making business deals. Like this is not like a janky, uh, seedy, underbelly type situation. This is like the girls are coming home. They're barely taking their clothes off and they're riding off into the sunset with their Porsches. Like, everybody's happy, okay? Everybody's loving it. So it's not for me to say, like, I would go to a strip club. I have no problem with that. And I don't think there's anything, like, weird or wrong about a couple, a married couple going to the strip club together. But I also feel like Elijahwan wants whatever he thinks is, like, coolest at the moment, and he just goes with that. Like, he wants a woman to be all things. He is a Twitter dude all the way. He wants his wife to be a sex pot, but a Christian and to be home and cook dinner, but to also be the girl who's at the strip club. And you also want her to be, um, conservative, but you want her to be smart and driven, but also you want to be the leader. And, you know, he wants all of these opposite things and these opposing forces. And he wants a woman that does not exist. Okay. He wants a woman to have a mind of her own as long as she doesn't use it against him. 
You know, those type of guys. This man has no business getting married. At one point, Michael is sitting down with his friends and he says that he's starting to overthink the whole thing and have doubts and that his doubts and the overthinking are rooted in fear and he's scared to be alone or with somebody. His friends say in an interview that he needs to break through his fears, but that they don't think that this is an ideal situation for him and that a lot of things could go wrong. Episode one, you guys. Episode one. Over at the bachelorette party, Lindy's drunk. She's having a great time. She's staring her thoughts with the camera about the other women. She's like, I think that I found best friends for life with these girls. They're so great. Uh, Jasmina, she's beautiful. She looks like Naomi Campbell. Noise like the wild card of the group. You guys thought that I was going to be me, but I think it's actually her. Okay? And I love Katina, and I'm so excited for her. And then, what's the other one's name? I don't even know if she's here right now. And then we see (laughs) Alyssa, a.k.a. the other one, (laughs) sitting in the corner with her friends. And she's like, "I this is not my thing. I'm perfectly fine just sitting here. I don't want to take shots with anybody. I don't want to woo I don't want to um, raise my voice above a five. I, this is not, I don't want to do this. And that's fine. If the bachelorette party scene is not for you, that's fine. But you can have fun. I just hate when like you go into these situations where you know that this is a time where the chicks are going to woo and they're going to drink out of peas and straws like you know what you're getting into when you're going to a stereotypical bachelorette party so at least have fun if you don't want to drink fine if you don't want to take shots fine but don't sit there in the corner either like ugh. Uh, I, that's it's whack and it and it's really telling and who did that christina in new orleans at her bachelorette party I don't, really, I don't like to do this. And, and yeah, see how she turned out. The bachelorette parties end. And after the parties, we have a couple scenes with a couple of people, not the whole cast, where they're reiterating the fears that they've been talking about all episode about the very big red flags of why they should not be getting married. First up, Michael. He's talking to one of his sisters about how he's fearing again. And we've already had now four conversations about how this man is not prepared or is ill prepared to be married. So, (laughs) okay. Um, Even his sister was like, yeah. I kind of have the same fear, like all the insecurities that you have about your walls and all the work you're going to have to do. Um, I, I have those same fears, brother. And why did we get past the audition process? He sees it. She sees it. The cameras are on you. I'm seeing it. Why didn't they? Why didn't they see it? I feel like one point, I'm one day I'm just going to snap <laughs> And you're just going to find me, like, just mumbling in the street, like, why did Pastor Cal say that they were matched like this? Because they weren't, you know? Why did he say that Zach was a sensitive guy when he's actually a bitch ass? Why did he side with Ryan all the time? It doesn't make sense to me. What what happened to Michael from, uh, like, a few seasons ago with um, the other chick and he was lying about whether or not he was a teacher? You guys remember that? Like, I feel like one at one point I'm going to snap because I'm, like, really, I'm at my limit. 
<laughs> I'm truly at my limit. Oh, Lord. So we're done with Michael, his clear issues. Moving on to Lindsay, who also has clear issues. She's meeting up with her brother and she's telling him that she is afraid of her quirks, if you will. She is a woman who gets hangry. And she is a woman who needs rest. And if she is hungry or tired, she has a tendency to get an attitude. And what if it comes out at the honeymoon and it all all goes to shit from there? And then she also tells her brother how she's like really insecure when it comes to her mother. And she even asks her brother to call their mom to see if she's officially coming to the wedding. And he tells her, look, I reached out to her a few times and... I can't force her to go. That's all I can say. And so Lindsay says she'd be really embarrassed. Like now she's insecure about her family situation. And it seems like she has a decent relationship with her father, but I think it's just her mom that she's going to be embarrassed potentially to have to be like at the wedding explaining that her mom isn't there because she's an asshole and she didn't love her enough to come to her own wedding, her own daughter's wedding. And she says that her issues with her mom are like a wound that she hasn't been able to heal yet. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So now we've made it. We have our first couple, Lindsay and Mac. They're about to get married. Lindsay does a talking head where she starts crying about how she feels like she's going to be an amazing wife and that this is her time. (laughs) She's very um, confident, if you will. There's a lot of talk about how, like, this is a good moment for her and therefore everybody else in her orbit is going to have a good day taking in the fact that this is going to be her wedding and it's like I don't think even I could be extremely happy for somebody getting married but like it's not gonna like your wedding is making my day better you know (laughs) like I'm happy for you sis but like my day wasn't made because my friend got married but you know what maybe I'm a different breed I don't know Mark keeps referring to himself as a shark and he also keeps talking about how he's about to embark on a great love story and honestly like I'm not sure which is worse or more cringeworthy. When Lindsay starts getting her hair and makeup done you guys ooh, how many ladies ladies did you guys see that uh, Lindsay had a tight curl a lot of tight curls she has like a short hair I would say like maybe just under the jawline so the curls I think she was trying to go for old Hollywood but 
you have to have sort of longer hair to get that sort of like Dita Von Teese, Betty Page kind of wave. And so I thought maybe we were going to like take a take a finger to the curls or wide tooth comb and maybe uh, shake those Shirley Temple curls out. Didn't seem to happen. I think you guys all noticed that. And I just wanted to let you know that I recognize you. We see each other on that one. But anyway, as she's getting her hair and makeup done, her, one of her bridesmaids asks her, like, is there anything that you want us to try to find out about your new husband on the low? And she goes, why don't one of you rub up against him and see what I'm about to be working with? <laughs> Baby. <laughs> now listen. Is that something that I would say? No, no, I don't want anybody rubbing against. I would say something like that. And I would let out a hearty chuckle if I heard it in in company. But um, I don't know if like openly and uh, sexually assaulting somebody is like the best way to start off a marriage. I don't know. I don't know if this is like Emily in Emily Post's book about weddings. I'm not sure. I don't know the rules. I don't claim to know all of them. But I think getting your friend, getting your bridesmaid to feel uh, your future husband's dick probably hasn't made a book. I'm pretty confident about that. I mean, it might be in, like, one of those Amazon self-published books, but it's probably not one with, like, uh, you know, know, Macmillan or something like that. Anyway, um, so the bridesmaids refuse to do that lovingly. They're like, no, thank you. I think we're going to pass on that. So, whew, moving on. Um, I feel like they keep harping on the fact throughout the episode that Lindsay was not picky in what she was looking for in terms of looks, because I think this is a foreshadowing to her about to not be attracted to Mark. Um, Who did that? I don't want to keep referencing old people, but I feel like this has happened before and it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty. Um, Another question that I have for you guys is do you, are you um, wary of Mark? Do you think that he is more focused in the fact that he didn't, he, he got rejected from last time Boston was there? Or do you think that he's actually looking for love? Or do you think it might be both? Because I think it might be both. I think he equally really is excited to be on television and also is like, I don't think he's here for the right reasons. I think he just feels like I have to do this married at first sight thing because I got turned down the first time. And now it's been four years and nothing's really happened for me. And now I have the second chance and I'm going to go for it. I don't know. To me, it seems more about the show and his desperation to get married than actually having healthy reasons to get married. I think he just wants that love story and that like perfect TV we did it thing. And I mean, I feel like Lindsay and Mark are going to have a whole bunch of other problems and this doesn't need to be another one, (laughs) but it is. And it's going to be, Oh my God, you guys, this I think may have been the most secondhand embarrassment I've ever experienced on this show. I I'm pretty confident when Mark, now let's set this up. Mark has been, Mark, prior to this phone call with his mother, told us that because he and his, his mother and his grandmother are not in good health, that he feels like him getting married is going to be a sort of win for the family. And that he almost feels like 
it's possible that these women in his life are staying alive because they want to see him get married and find that person before they leave this mortal plane, if you will. But then he calls his mother. He calls her and he called her earlier in the episode to tell her, hey, I'm going to be getting married. And she was like excited for him. He tells her I'm getting married in two weeks. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so happy for you. Um, But now when he's calling her, he says, hey, mom, I just want to let you know I'm about to get married in an hour. And her response is, oh, my God, Mac, I'm beside myself. (laughs) And he tells her. Well, think about it this way. Like, I'm going to have somebody that I'll spend my life with. And she says, well, if she stays, I mean, (laughs) Mac, why didn't you do this the right way? (laughs) And then Mark gets all red faced and he says, well, I tried, but it it never worked. It never worked out. And she says, well, maybe you should try harder. (laughs) And then he goes, well. I love you. And she says, yeah, bye. And she just hangs up the phone. (laughs) You guys. I like, didn't even say I love you back. Didn't, didn't even. Yeah. Bye. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. This man really played himself. Like I'm Michael Scott. This is a Michael Scott moment when he thinks he is about to have the lifetime television event of the moment and she's like oh whatever Mac you dumbass get out of the <laughs> the Red Sox zone why are you even calling me click <laughs> good golly that was tough that was tough like after the phone call his eyes were darting around it was almost like he left his body that was like oh my god did people actually hear that did I convince them that my mom was actually excited? Because I don't think I did. Like, she was not playing her role well. Oh, my God. I felt so bad for him. Oh, my God. Oh, Madaron. Little did Mark know, little did Mac know, that at that moment, on the way to the wedding venue, Lindsay was about to become not only his wife, but maybe the most unpredictable and worst woman that's about to be in his life for good. Lindsay is in the sprinter van having glass after glass after glass of married at first sight labeled champagne. Honestly, it was probably the best decision that she could have made because before that, Mac was talking about how uh, he was doing a diary cam in which he was like, oh, I can't wait to dance with you. Oh, and I can't wait for this to be the, the greatest love story, my future wife. And oh, Lord, I love I can't wait for you to say I love you for the first time. Mac, Mac. He goes into the stretch limo with his boys and his uh, groomsmen. And they're like, yeah, let's go. Like, oh, oh. Like, like they're about to go into the NBA playoffs. Like, you guys are not the Celtics. Let's be real. Um, after driving, one of her friends is like, uh, maybe you should like cool it on the alcohol. And she's like, well, maybe you should have said that to me two champagne bottles ago. And then here comes Lindsay. Slindsay. Slindsay is on, on her way. So the wedding's beginning. Mark walks up to the altar. He's saying the pleasantries to the bridesmaids and what have you. And everybody starts waiting for Lindsay. 
and her father to walk her down the aisle. Lindsay is somewhere. Um, her picking up her flower arrangement, her bouquet from off the ground. She's chugging a 20 ounce bottle of Coke, asking if she can go to the bathroom before she's, uh, trying to dig her wedding vows out of her titties, like actually takes off her dress (laughs) to try to find the piece of paper because she lost it. I mean, who amongst us, but like baby, baby girl titties out for all of Boston Harbor to see. I mean, my God, my God. She's belching like Homer Simpson at one point. He's like, well, let me get this out before, before the ceremony. <laughs> Good God. Good God. She's a light. I mean, Virginia walked so that Lindsay could uh, probably run sideways and then immediately fall over and puke and then puke. So, um, she's doing her interviews about how she's the best of the best and that she hopes her future husband isn't a Debbie Downer. Fortunately, with her father's heavy assistance, I'm sure, Lindsay's able to stumble down the aisle and she is like, the formalities of a wedding be damned. She's trying to have like a full on conversation with Mark and she's like, what's your last name? And he's like, it's Mayor. She's like, oh, thank God. It's something easy. How do you spell it? And then he's like, oh, by the way, um, people call me Mark the Shark, Mark the Shock. And she's like, oh, I hate shocks. <laughs> she's like, I said, she's trying to have a full, like asking him to open his teeth wide so she can make sure there's no baby teeth in there. Um, you know, she is uh, making sure there's no cavities. And she's like, oh, God, I was really worried I was going to get mashed up with somebody with bad teeth. But you seem Okay. <laughs> Mark's initial reaction seemed to be a heavy dose of terror with mixed with a splash of lust and a little bit of wonderment, if you will. I can't even remember what Lindsay's vows were, but Mark's were very sad. And it was talking about how he didn't think that he would ever find somebody to love and that he's been looking forever from like South Shore Plaza to some other Boston landmark. And Lindsay, who's also seems to be a Boston, uh, Bostonite, whatever you call it, um, seems horrified by his choices of where he's been looking for women. And she's like, no, no, I would never go there. You should have gone up north. I, I was up north. <laughs> um, I, when it's time for the ring exchange, Mark has a little bit of a hard time getting Le- Lindsay's ring on, and she tells him to work it a little. And that she likes it when it hurts. <laughs> and then she looks at everybody and laughs. <laughs> Nobody laughed back. Nobody laughed back. Okay, so the wedding's over. We make it to the champagne, finally getting to know you kind of moment. And she's like, you know what? She dunks her bouquet into the the champagne bucket, the ice bucket, and gives him a hug. And then they talk about what what the other one does for a living. And when Mark mentions that he's the manager of a few gyms and that he goes to bed early because he recently changed his schedule so that he, instead of doing split shifts, like he's been doing as a single man figured his future wife would want him to just do one long shift so he can be home. So now he's taken to working out in the beginning of the day, like five o'clock in the morning so that he can be home for his wife. (laughs) And Lindsay 
He says in an interview, oh my God, he's giving me WAP right now. Like, I can't even believe it. I asked one one of my exes to move his schedule, his work schedule, like an hour so that we could have dinner together. And he didn't want to do it. And this man is already thinking about why his wife might not like his schedule. And he's made the, the choice to change it beforehand. Like, I can't believe it. Then she goes on to Mark about how she's excited for the adventure she's about to take him on. <laughs> See that confidence and how like, please don't give me dairy. Cause if I get dairy and I don't know, then I'll projectile vomit for 12 hours. And he's like, okay, wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> at one point they get Mark in an, uh, like an individual interview and he's wiping his forehead. Um, and he's like, wow, she's kind of a lot, huh? And he goes over to Lindsay, who's about five feet away, who is laying down on a bench, like almost asleep. head down on that bench and she's talking about god knows what but then she says i just want to be a cat when i die (laughs) to nobody to absolutely nobody mark is walking up to her at this point and she can't even see that he's walking up to her because again she's laying down on a park bench she's telling whoever she wants to be a cat when she dies god help us um so when she finally realizes that Mark is there, she asks him um, what kind of animal he likes. And she says, when he says a monkey, she's like, oh, no, I hate monkeys. I hate them. Have you ever been to a monkey temple? They're evil. I hate them. He's like, well, good thing I don't have a monkey, Lindsay. I think we'll be fine. <laughs> then she asks him if he has any pets. And he starts off being like, yeah like oh here we go she's like why are you acting hesitant about it and he's like well because i kind of figured people don't really like my answer so he then says that he has three cats and Lindsay's like no 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 you guys i can't believe it i can't believe it and he's like looking horrified because he thinks that she is like devastated but then she's like i love cats and he's like oh thank god He's clearly gone through the roller coaster of emotions. And then he's like, oh, I just can't believe he actually liked them. I really thought you hated him. But then she's like, you know, I have two cats. He has three. And she goes, five cats is too many. I'm willing to get rid of mine. <laughs> Let's see what. <laughs> We're already talking about rehoming our cats. She all, she's already talking about who she wants, what sort of form she wants to take when she dies. She's having a great time. And, and so am I for now, for now. But if, if I stop having fun, I'm telling you guys right now, I'm, I'm pulling the plug on the whole thing. So this is a very tentative married at first sight recap, uh, podcast for you guys, but don't, don't be, don't feel safe because (laughs) they're riding the line with me. Okay. All right. But in the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for me for speaking. Love you. Have a